Shalom. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I am Shmuley Yanklowitz, President and Dean of Valley Beit Midrash. Here at VBM, we strive to bring you only the highest quality of Jewish learning. Bringing pluralistic and innovative Jewish programming to the Jewish community that craves substance and insight is our passion. But we cannot do it alone. To support our endeavors, please consider donating a tax-deductible contribution to our organization. By doing so, you will be supporting meaningful Jewish educational content, funding the next generation of leaders, as well as furthering Jewish wisdom to people all over the country and all over the world. Please visit www.valleybatemadrash.org. Thank you so much and enjoy the program. Today with Professor Mera Benjamin, who is Associate Professor of Jewish Studies at Mount Holyoke College and is the author of The Obligated Self, Maternal Subjectivity and Jewish Thought, published in 2018, Indiana Press, which actually just won an award, Mazel Tov, Thank you. from the American Academy of Religion, 2019 Award of Excellence in Study of Religion. So thank you for taking time to talk with me. It's great to be here. Thank you. So um, in thinking about Jewish feminist thought today... Uh, I guess my first question for you is, what are some of the challenges that you had to overcome um, to endure, you know, to be where you are today? And what are suggestions you have for women who want to pursue careers in academia also? Um, Yeah, well, I feel really lucky that I came of age in a time when a lot of other people had opened doors for women, for lesbians, for other people that... um, really, they had to do a lot of hard work. They had to endure a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And because of them, I didn't have to do so much of that. I definitely encountered people's expectations Mm -hmm. here and there that, you know, oh, it's too hard for you or whatever. But for the most part, um, I've been very fortunate. And that's not to say that people who are of my cohort or or younger aren't still facing structural issues Mm -hmm. um, that uh, pressures, but you know, I feel like a lot of hard work happened before me. Yeah, yeah, amazing. So when when you look back at, at philosophers, you think of people like Plato and Maimonides and Kant and Rawls, um, people who held male privilege. And um, I wonder how does that how does that influence the kind of ideas that were generated throughout our philosophical tradition, I mean, broader philosoph- Western philosophy, and how does um, the emergence of, of more women in, in, um, in, this, in this arena potentially influence how ideas will be generated? Yeah, well, um, I mean, one of the things that I noticed and that just shouts out to me is what is considered philosophy and how do you do it and what does it look like to do it? Philosophy in many parts of Western tradition, um, Jewish, but also Christian elsewhere, um, you know, it's this thing that you go kind of to a desert island and you stare at your navel or at the clouds or whatever. And like you're isolated, right? You're not Mm -hmm. doing it in um, in the midst of taking care of other people, Mm -hmm. being responsive to other people. Now, Jewish thought is a little different because it really does imagine people to be immersed in these Mm -hmm. webs of relationships. And and I don't wanna sort of overgeneralize what philosophy has been, but I I do think that there's still a basic assumption that that we've seen in male-generated philosophy that that's what it looks like to do philosophy is to be a man and to be immersed in all kinds of things that are the life of the mind and the life of male community mm-hmm. that are quite removed from the world of 
you know, daily obligation. And so part of what I wanted to do with my book is to, to think about how we might think differently about mm -hmm. what really is, um, what's the place where out of which thinking emerges mm -hmm. and, you know, intellectual life and existential yeah. questions. Right, right, amazing. So um, academia is oftentimes thought of as dealing with issues of, of the ivory tower detached, as you, as you started to mention, divorce from a lot of real life concerns. And how can this concerns um, for the welfare and status and in inclusion and, and beyond for women actually affect um, the general position of women in the 21st century America? Well, I think, you know, there are still a lot of work yeah. to be done yeah. um, in on many angles. Um, but I'm hoping that we can really expand what we think yeah. of as the place of um, sort of ordinary life, ordinary yeah. concerns, the workaday world mm -hmm. as being a place where we can actually um, take that seriously, yeah. take seriously the people who are kind of thinking in very reflective ways about mm -hmm. these basic concerns and say, aha, that's where philosophy might happen. Now there are mm -hmm. structural challenges uh, of academia and, you know, and other, other things, but I, I have hope that we'll, mm -hmm. we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do you understand the relationship between ritual inclusion or religious space mm -hmm. inclusion and, um, and uh, societal justice? Do you see those as completely separate spheres or interconnected? You mean Jewish ritual inclusion? Well, just in general, or? sort of um, that that what happens in uh, houses of worship mm -hmm. and how that impacts um, you know other issues of, of of equity. Yeah, great. Well, you know, to my mind, it's totally clear that the feminist movement, a, a social justice movement, which is tied to civil rights movement mm -hmm. and other right. social justice movements, was the main catalyst yeah. for Jews thinking about, wait a minute, why is my religious life so yeah. totally out of sync mm -hmm. with what I'm hearing in on the streets and yeah. in conversations? Right. And so, you know, to me, the social justice political imperative was the thing that drove ritual change. And then actually I think that the ritual change is what started driving theological change. Mm -hmm. When you could start imagining um, a synagogue or a worship space or, or a, you know, blessing a new baby girl with the same ritual, you know, as you would a baby boy in Jewish culture, mm -hmm. that's when people start thinking, wait a minute, how does God, how, how have I been thinking about God? Mm -hmm. How have I I've been thinking about what it means to be human? Maybe I should be thinking differently. So I see it as a kind of cascading effect that starts with the political, the social justice, and then moves, uh, or at least descriptively has moved into mm -hmm. then religious and ritual life, yeah. and then into theology. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So looking at Jewish institutions in America today, do you, do you um, feel that overall the Jewish community is doing a good job on this front and, and, and what areas could be, you know, where, where could things be better? Yeah, great. Well, um, I think there's a long way to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that Jewish institutional life, um, you know, we've certainly read a lot in the last couple of years at least about yeah. Me Too right. issues which go very deep, right? That mm -hmm. goes to how is power allocated? Um, it, it goes to very basic concerns about access um, 
And I think when you look at it and you and you see a lot of people have been working on this, thank mm -hmm. God, you know, Schiffer yeah. Bronznik and, and many others have been really agitating for changes in the Jewish institutional world. When you look at how many women are the heads of major synagogues, things like that. I mean, there's just a long way to go till we get to parity. Um, you know, there's certainly other plenty of other things as well, right? Whether we're talking about queer issues, Jews of color, right? There's, I see those as tied um, to feminist issues, right? They're intersectional. Um, so there's, there's plenty of places to go. At the same time, one thing that's really been striking to me as a teacher is um, when I teach a thinker like Judith Plaskow, right? This classic text, it's 30 years old, basically. Um, they read it and they're sort of horrified to yeah. really grapple with the nature of Jewish sources being so thoroughly patriarchal. But what they're also trying to make sense of is the yeah. fact that the Judaism that they grew up in doesn't look yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. It looks egalitarian. It yeah. looks like it's feminist and it is feminist. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we've come a long way yeah. um, and also there's plenty of ways to go. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I exist in multiple spaces as I'm sure you do. And when I'm in, involved in the Jewish Social Justice Roundtable, that feels like an emerging paradigm of ideals. Yes. Where looking at the dozens of Jewish Social Justice groups, I feel like a minority as a man in a good way um, in right. terms of those who are in leadership. There's certainly structural barriers there as well, but yeah. um, lots of progress. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, so I think my last question, although I'm not committed to that, um, <laughs> that often a woman's traditional role has been to maintain the household and take care of children. And you, obviously you go into great length of this uh, in, in, your, in your exciting new book. How could a critical analysis of these topics in the Jewish tradition contribute to Jewish thought at, at large? Great. Well, so the first thing is I would just want to say I think it's very tempting to kind of um, cast a certain... Victorian bourgeois model of family life where women are a part of this private sphere and men are a part of the public sphere. It's it's easy for us to sort of imagine that that's how it always how it was. Yeah. And that's not true, right? right? Um, that that's a recent invention yeah. that you even have that model that people would mm -hmm. aspire to. Mm -hmm. um, so the first thing is that women have always been part of um, multiple spheres, um, part of the production of ideas, part of the production of you know, economic goods, all kinds of things. So women have always been there. Um, at the same time, there's certain gaps that are really clear to me or that became very clear to me when I was working on this book, which is that we have very little about the felt experience of what it is to engage in these daily, repetitive, often kind of messy, um, smelly, you know, other kinds <laughs> of work that we have to do when we're nurturing other people. And so part of my hope is to both rewrite that um, story in which women have been only merely in the domestic mm -hmm. sphere, but also to rewrite the story that the domestic sphere is sort of this second best. But to actually to say, look, the work of caring for young children, as anyone out there knows who has done it, is really deeply profound, mm -hmm. right? You are involved in another human being's mm -hmm. formation, yeah. you know, and that's not just about having biological children, that's right. about shaping who they are as a person. It's about confronting the nature of your power and the mm -hmm. limits of your power. Mm -hmm. It's about all kinds of things yeah. that I see as like the critical religious questions. Yeah. So that's what I have hoped to do with the book. Oh, amazing, amazing. Um, uh, so I, I so I was wrong. One, one last question. <laughs> okay, sure. What what is um, 
um, what is what is my job? What is my job today as a man um, on this front? So I think a lot about what it means to be an ally to the LGBTQ community. I think a lot about what it means as a white person to be an ally to people of color. Yeah. A lot about what it means to be an ally to other minorities, Muslims and asylum seekers, and like. But as a Jewish man in in, a, in Jewish thought spaces, yeah. What is my what What is our job today? I mean, many of us talk about how we won't have panels, you know, panels of just men. Oh yes. And we talk about. Um, uh, to ensure there are women's voices on our source sheets and things like this. Um, and, uh, but on a meta level, like what in, tw- in 2020, what, how can we be challenged Jewish men in thought spaces today to be more thoughtful? Hmm. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think all of those things uh, that you mentioned are really important starting places. And they're, they're symbolic, but they're also real, right? Like, who am I engaged in conversation with? Whose ideas am I looking to for kind of as as the touchstones, yeah. right? And it's very easy, and, and I check myself in this yeah. too, right? Whose thought is thought, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Whose voices matter? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, even though we can say, oh, just citing women or something, that's actually mm-hmm. really important, mm-hmm. um, you know, certainly in academia and also beyond academia to say, who are the people who are producing um, theology? Who are the people who I want to learn from? And then taking a, a step back and, and watching them. And I, I also try, you know, I, I have my own privilege as a yeah. senior academic, right? Yeah. This is a very unusual kind of work that I have that, um, and so for me, thinking, you know, constantly reminding myself, who are the graduate students yeah. who are who are out there doing right. really great right. stuff? And they're often, you know, if they're adjuncts, they're in marginal positions, yeah. how can I try to lift up their work? So mm-hmm. I think we all mm-hmm. have these ways in yeah. which we can sort of try to recognize our privilege and take a step back. Yeah, starting with humility, I guess. Right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Fascinating. Friends, be sure to check out uh, Professor Benjamin's uh, work. Um, and in particular, this book, there's been a lot of amazing buzz. The Obligated Self, Maternal Subjectivity, and Jewish Thought. We'll have two more recordings coming soon. Thanks so much.